What's up, y'all? We are back again with another episode of the Shoot Your Shot Sports Podcast. On today's episode, we're going to be wrapping up Super Wild Card Weekend in the NFL and getting ready for next weekend's divisional round. Also going to be talking a little bit of national championship in college football and some Major League Baseball and NBA news. Episode 29 coming at you right now. Faithful Shoot Your Shot fans, and welcome back once again. I'm Landon Pangburn, along with my brother and co-host Preston Pangburn. We are now 11 days into 2021, and things are going fairly well. How you doing, P? I'm good. I'm still riding off the high of last night, the absolute shellacking that the Cleveland Browns gave their divisional rival Pittsburgh Steelers after like 20 years of torture from them, and now it's natty night. We get to watch Alabama and Ohio State tonight, and what a 24-hour period it could be for the people of Ohio. Yeah, crazy. It's been a great weekend in football, which is helping me get over the immediate depression that I enter into when I turn on Netflix and see that The Office isn't on there anymore. I didn't think I'd make it 11 days, but somehow I have. Yeah, I mean, we still watch The Office like every day. It's on Comedy Central, just kind of on loop. So, sorry. That helps, but there's commercials and things, you know? Yeah, that's kind of tragic. And but you don't get to choose the episode? Yeah. <laughs> Are you a Scott's Tot skipper or not? No, I, I like some of the more cringeworthy episodes. I know that you can't bear them, but I think they're hilarious. I can bear, I can bear Scott's Tots more than uh, Dinner Party. Dinner Party's, I've always <laughs> said, that's the worst one for me. That one's, that oh, one's tough. No, Dinner Party and uh, the, what is it, the Negotiation... Which one are you, are you talking about? The uh, the deposition? Yes, the deposition. Yeah, those are the two back to back best episodes ever. Yes. But anyway, back to football. I'm really jealous of you because you told me earlier that you took work off tomorrow. Do you always take off the day after the natty? So for the past, I think three years in a row now, I've taken off both the day after the natty and the day after the Super Bowl. So I just don't have to worry about anything and get to ride it out. Yeah, it's amazing. I've never done that before until this past year. We were out in Phoenix for Tenetti's bachelor party, the waste management open last year. So yeah, we took sick. the day off after the Super Bowl, and it was amazing. I was like, I'm gonna do that every year for the rest of my life uh but yeah and <laughs> not the, really an option for me and to, the super bowl is on earlier it's at like six or whatever so it's it's at least a reasonable time on the east coast the national championship it's going to be over probably after midnight tonight and i start work at seven so i just wasn't going to do that so that would have sucked i'm just going to take the day off and enjoy it for myself yeah i'm, I'm very happy for you but you want to recap um these nfl games from this weekend let's do it it was a dope weekend you just want to go and order the games that happened yeah, so Colts-Bills, what a thriller that one was. I got really nervous there for the Bills at the end. They ended up pulling it out 27-24. to 24. Josh Allen gets his first playoff win. What was your big takeaway here? It's one of those games where even though none of the guys on that team have been there for that long, right? The, histo- the history of the franchise starts to kind of creep back in. Like, you know that they know that that city has not won a playoff game in forever. And so when the the Colts kind of close the gap towards the end of the game and it's coming down to the wire, you just like feel the nervousness for the guys in the Bills, but they pulled it out. 
they were the better team and they've been the better team all year. I still, as you know, I say it every single podcast that we have, I think, but I love Josh Allen. That guy is just the man. He made some incredible plays, incredible throws. He's their running, their best running back too. He really is, especially now that Zach Moss is out. So the Colts are a tough team. I love a few guys in the Colts, especially Darius, Lin- Darius Leonard. Every time I watch the Colts, he's incredible, but the Bills deserve to move on and I'm excited that they did. Yeah, happy for the Bills. I'll be pulling for them this week too. I got really nervous for them at the end of this Colts game because did you see that uh, Zach Pascal call at the end that kind of almost screwed the Bills over? Yeah. Yeah, that was a horrendous call. He definitely was up, was not touched, and then fumbled the ball before he went back down. I saw a tweet from Roger Sherman of The Ringer. He said, the refs might as well have just come back and said, after further review, it will be way more fun if we just kind of wait and see what Phillip Rivers does here. (laughs) I mean, that was just objectively the wrong call, but luckily it didn't end up affecting the outcome of the game. Yeah, I'm with you there. It was... I wouldn't say it was like a 100% thing. I th- there were some angles where I was like, okay, maybe his knee was still down. And that's what they called in the field. So it wasn't it wasn't like 100% crazy non-overturn, but I, I see what you're saying. Yeah, the better team won. They're moving on to play the Ravens next weekend. So I think that's one of my favorite games of uh, the divisional rounds. Yeah. Looking forward to that. I cannot wait for that one. All right, let's move on to the Rams versus Seahawks. This went opposite of how we both thought it was going to go with Jared Goff starting off on the bench and Russell Wilson being clearly the better quarterback here. And then homeboy Wolford or whatever his name is for the Rams <laughs> yeah. went down earlier after taking a big shot from Jamal Adams and Jared Goff came anyways and led them to a win with some metal in his thumb. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think I pretty much have to call John Wolford homeboy Wolford now, but he got hurt. He went out with a stinger. I don't know if he's going to be playing this weekend against the Packers or if it's going to be Jared Goff, but yeah, the Seahawks just laid an absolute stinker again. They they were just dreadful in the second half of the season and it begs the or brings up the question is Russell Wilson just immune to criticism it seems like he is and I'm not sure why yeah he went 11 for 27 for 174 like that's atrocious yeah. and I feel bad for him because you know only God knows why Brian Schottenheimer is their offensive coordinator we know as UGA fans that that guy is a bum but Russell Wilson I don't know why but he he just Ever since he won that Super Bowl, you just can't say anything bad about him. And well, that's, he's just, that's why. I think that's your answer right there. It's because he's won a Super Bowl early in his career, right? And so people, if you win a Super Bowl early, you're just remembered as a Super Bowl champion. And so it takes a long time for the honeymoon period to wear off. I feel like it will soon if he doesn't step it back up. But right now, for whatever reason, no one really cares. Yeah, I was going to say, the counterpoint to that is like at some point it has to wear off because Aaron Rodgers won his one Super Bowl in 2011 and then his stats kind of declined the last three years and he started to get some criticism in the media at least. And I don't know, I just feel like Russell Wilson is trending in the wrong direction. I wasn't going to bring this up yet because this is a completely different topic. But speaking of ending honeymoon periods how about Doug Peterson getting fired three years after winning the Super Bowl (laughs) yeah that's that's pretty nuts that's quick it's funny because we were talking about LSU a couple weeks ago and I feel like the situation that LSU is currently in was kind of predictable but I was going to ask the question like what's the shortest shortest period of time a college coach has ever gone in between winning a national championship and getting fired Mm -hmm. and yeah Doug Peterson pretty much did that NFL version I can't imagine there's anyone that's ever been fired faster than three years after winning Super Bowl that is hard to do yeah it's pretty nuts I guess they had a huge disagreement on whether Carson Wentz was the guy or not I'm not exactly sure who was on what side but pretty interesting yeah well back to this Rams and Seahawks game it was just not a pretty football game as you mentioned Russell Wilson went 11 for 27 and as a team between Jared Goff and John Wolford the Rams went 12 for 25 so neither team passed for over 50 percent just an ugly game but the running game for the Rams behind Cam Akers led them to the victory so they're moving on they're moving on. They are traveling up to Lambeau. So that's going to be a tough one for the pretty boy LA Rams. But more on that next week.
All right, one more game that we had a bet on on that first day of the NFL wildcard weekend was the Tampa Bay Bucks against the Washington football team. You boldly predicted that the Washington football team was somehow going to overcome the GOAT Tom Brady in the first round, and you lost the bet. I'm really glad I don't have to eat cinnamon right now because I would be <laughs> very sad if before the natty I had just down a spoonful of cinnamon. You instead had to watch the movie on Netflix to all the boys I've ever loved. Uh, to all the boys I've loved before. I have seen. I have That's no, correct. I'm glad I haven't watched it. And first of all, I, I want to say that I made that bet thinking that Alex Smith would play <laughs> yes, their starter. They, they unequivocally would have beaten the Bucks if Alex Smith played. But in his absence, Taylor Hineke <laughs> actually played pretty well. They played very well. Well, before you go into your review of that movie, which you are required to do per our bet, let's talk about that for a second because... I think my favorite story, and probably most people's favorite story in the NFL this year, is the return of Alex Smith after just a horrible injury, incredible comeback. However, this Taylor Henneke story is awesome as well. Are you familiar with it at all? Not really. So, first of all, he he's from here. He went to Collins Hill. I don't know if you knew that. Did not? Yeah, so he's a Georgia guy. Went to Old Dominion, was undrafted, kind of was like on and off of practice squads, whatever, for a few years. Ended up getting cut in 2018, was completely out of the league for two full years. He was signed by an XFL team, but never even made an appearance after the league went under. He went back to Old Dominion to finish his engineering degree, was out after being out of football for two years. And on December 20th, he was in the middle of taking finals. He had like four math classes to finish his degree. And he gets this phone call from the Washington football team saying, hey, we want to sign you. So he got permission to take two of his finals after the NFL season ends and just all of a sudden comes out of nowhere, plays a playoff game for them. And with the way he played, which huge balls like this guy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He, that diving touchdown he oh, had incredible. where he got the pylon from like four yards out. That was incredible. He separated his shoulder in the process of that. Yep. Like just just an absolute stud. And it was really cool to see kind of the response by his teammates from that, how much they like loved him for stepping up in that situation. I know Terry McLaurin said, I'll take that guy on my team any day of the week and twice on Sunday after the game, like just earned so much respect and probably a job next year. So really cool story from Taylor Henneke. It's a really cool story. And yeah, you, you mentioned just kind of the, the culture of that team mm-hmm. that Ron Rivera is building there. Uh, it, it's trending in the right direction. And with Alex Smith, apparently contemplating retirement. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me to see Taylor Hineke have the starting job at least at the beginning of next season. Or at least a backup job, just a job in the NFL, which for a guy who's been a journeyman and out of the league for a while is is an incredible thing. Yeah, there are only, you know, 64 quarterback jobs in the world. So that would be pretty amazing for him to stick around for a while. Exactly. But you're right. This is very Ron Rivera, right? Like this is just kind of a team taking on the personality of their coach. He's he's a stud. I love that guy. It's hard not to love him. Yeah, I, I'm with you there. But let me jump into my obligatory review of to all the boys I've loved before because I lost our bet on this game. Can't wait. Yeah, I'll try to keep it under 30 seconds. So for the people who don't want to listen to it, they can hit <laughs> fast forward on your phone. I can imagine whatever. why you would not want to listen listen to this but go ahead <laughs> yeah so to all the boys i've loved before it's a high school girl named laura jean she writes letters to all the boys she's loved before but amazing. does not send them out she kind of keeps them in a box in her room oh wow yeah and so she is in love with her older sister's boyfriend josh that's a tough situation yeah so her older sister and josh break up when she leaves for college okay and then her younger sister finds these letters and sends them all out so now that Josh knows Laura Jean's in love with them, she has to pretend that she no longer is. So she goes, she enters into a fake relationship with this other guy. So they're like faking being boyfriend and girlfriend. And then extremely predictably, they end up actually oh, falling wow. in love. Okay. So yeah, it, you know, it wasn't the worst movie ever. Um, but I, what I think is funny about it is like, I didn't have much time to watch it in mm-hmm. order to fulfill our bet. 
So I opportunistically watched it during the second half of the Bears-Saints game. Mm -hmm. And in hindsight, I think that watching To All the Boys I've Loved Before was less of a waste of my life than watching Mitchell Trubisky win the Nickelodeon MVP award. (laughs) Let's say, okay, now that you've seen this movie and you reviewed it really quickly, I want you to guess what it has as a percentage score on Rotten Tomatoes from the critics. Oh man, I don't know because like clearly I am not the intended audience girls are but Mm -hmm. (laughs) specifically high school girls but i feel like they like it a good bit i'm gonna go 77 96 96 96 (laughs) no way i didn't intend to give you an actually a good movie i mean i am pretty shocked by 96 it was (laughs) certainly not that good but fair enough good for them okay can we briefly talk about the nickelodeon broadcast though yeah it was kind of lit everyone's given it amazing reviews everyone says it was awesome did you see all the little things that they were doing yeah, the, the fake slime after the, the tutties. slime after the touchdowns, they would randomly, like, as players were walking off the field, they would graphically, like, input, like, huge hamburgers just sitting on top of their heads and give them, like, huge eyes for no reason. They yeah. had uh, Young Sheldon, like, Big Bang Theory, Young Sheldon out there explaining the rules. They had all kinds of sick stuff going on. It was hype. Yeah, it was funny because Nate Burleson was calling the game along with another guy who kind of knew what he was talking about, but they also had someone, they had a girl on there that was trying to, like, appeal to the younger audience, so the first punt of the game she just goes whoa he kicks it way in the air it's like i could do without that but it really wasn't bad it was kind of entertaining tori loved it do you know who the other guy is that you said kind of know what he's talking about um was his last name eagle is he ian eagle son okay i know that's your boy yeah ian eagle is the man probably so gus johnson's my guy but other than gus johnson ian eagle is the best announcer for both basketball and football these days and his son he's like 24 is an up-and-coming broadcaster, and so he was the guy calling the game for Nickelodeon. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty funny, but do you know the whole story behind the Mitchell Trubisky getting awarded the MVP award? No, but I would love to hear it. <laughs> so it was a fan vote. Okay. Um, and, you know, the Barstool guys from Pardon My Take, Big Cat's a Big Bears fan. Um, so he kind of <laughs> orchestrated everybody voting for Mitchell Trubisky. <laughs> okay. So it's really funny to think about. That was probably the last game of Mitchell Trubisky's Bears career. Like he's a free agent. They're not going to yep. resign him. So him ending his Bears tenure and maybe not ever getting another start. He might never have another start in the NFL. And he's just walking off the field and gets awarded a Nickelodeon like slime trophy hey, kind facetiously of, is that's, hilarious. It's kind of dope, actually. I meant to ask you this. Is it is it a 100% chance that they move on from Mitchell Trubisky? That's a legit question. Yes. Yes? Especially because they traded for Nick Foles and have him under contract next year. Whether you want to go with Foles and kind of have a tankier or draft somebody and start them immediately, there's no reason to pay Mitchell Trubisky. Yeah, it just depends what they get him for. It's They're in a weird situation as far as he's been horrible, but the last month and month and a half, he's been pretty good, actually. Don't do this. You're, I'm just you're, saying. You're taking my Gardner Minshew take and applying it to the <laughs> Bears and Trubisky. <laughs> I'm just saying, if they could get him on the cheap, he might be worth a resign. Oh, goodness. Well, I, I feel like Matt Nagy, Nagy, however you say, it's going to get fired this offseason, too. So if they're going to bring in a new coach, there's no way they sign Mitch Trubisky. Yeah, okay. If they bring in a new coach, I agree. It, it's time to reboot. It, you can't, because you, you're paying Nick Foles for how many more years? 
one, two, three more years yeah. that he's under contract. Yeah, so maybe. to pay another quarterback when you probably are going to draft one too, it just doesn't make sense. We haven't really talked about this game at all. Let's just, I mean, all you really need to know is that the Saints are better than the Bears and they beat them 21 to nine. That's kind of a summary of the game, right? There's no, there's nothing like super exciting going on other than the Saints are better than the Bears. Yes, it's as simple as that. And last week I was trying to predict a couple upsets. It's like, you've got six games. There's going to be a couple upsets. Who are they going to be? I just picked the wrong ones with yep. the Washington football team and the Bears. But yeah, the Saints, they they looked healthier than I expected them to. You know, Drew Brees, not 100%. Same with Michael Thomas coming off IR. You didn't know how Camaro was going to look coming off the COVID list, but they looked pretty solid. They did. All right. Well, we kind of skipped over the Ravens and Titans. So let's talk about that a little bit. The Ravens beat the Titans 20 to 13 in what turned out to be a really fun game, at least to watch for me. I really enjoyed it. What'd you think of this game? Well, I was all over the Titans early when they went up 10-0. I was like, it's happening again. Lamar's choking. He threw that pick where it was like eight to 10 yards too far inside in the middle of the field. And I was like, this is doomsday for the Ravens. And then they came storming back with that, what was it, 48-yard run by Lamar where he just looked electric. It was nasty. so fast. It was so sick. Yeah, but uh, I think the biggest takeaway I had from this game, did you watch it, by the way? I did watch it. Did you see when the freaking Titans punted? For, it was fourth and two with 10 minutes left from the Ravens 40 and they punted. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. It's, it's always one of those hindsight's 2020 things, but yes, not really though. <laughs> I, I know I pay more attention to like the analytics and stuff, especially on Twitter, but there's this account called the surrender index, which I had never seen, but they have like 30,000 followers on Twitter, but they said that it was in the 100th percentile of cowardly punts this season. Oh wow. And the 99.2nd, 99.2 how do you say this? <laughs> second, 99 point second percentile. <laughs> they did of, of since, my instructions. Yeah. <laughs> since 2009. Wow. It's like you, you just don't punt there. Yeah. That's yeah. That's not great. I'm not going to try to rationalize it. I was thinking about, <laughs> about playing devil's advocate there, but yeah. Okay. That, it was bad. It was a bad decision. Yeah. yeah but stuff. the, I guess the, the biggest story that people were talking about after this game is Lamar Jackson, you know, won the MVP last year, choked in the playoffs big first playoff win yeah so he and josh allen both got their first playoff win i had previously said let's wait for them to win a playoff game before we put them in the hall of fame now they both have so let's go ahead and get them fitted for those gold jackets there we go yeah i hadn't watched a ravens game in a minute you know they kind of like turned it on offensively in the last month or month and a half something like that and i hadn't seen a game since then and i was quickly reminded why lamar jackson is still must see tv some of those runs he makes are just absolutely incredible he had 16 carries for 136 yards he's just dynamite on his feet and he's good enough with his arm to win some games one huge thing that we've been talking about all year for the ravens is they need someone to step up on the outside someone other than a running back or a tight end to catch some passes and marquise hollywood brown had seven catches for 109 yards that's huge for them if they could just have some sort of threat on the outside that makes them way more dangerous it does and you know it also makes them more dangerous what is des bryant having like zero catches but getting 15 yard penalties for slapping malcolm butler in the head that's kind of tight though yeah that's cool i love des i, miss, I, miss I love des, des too <laughs> yeah des just give, get a 15 yard penalty hurt your team throw up the x Des is tight you gotta, gotta love that and the titans just kind of didn't do what they what they do what they're known for derrick henry derrick henry to 18 carries for 40 yards just wasn't a game it was not yeah. a good game yeah it's funny because we hadn't even mentioned derrick henry for the first few minutes of talking about this game that was supposed to be the storyline yeah. to get him going but anyway that sets up a huge matchup between the ravens and bills next week more on that in a little bit but let's do the grand finale of the wild card round the browns beat the steelers 48 to 37 after getting up 28 to nothing in the first quarter lando what you think it was crazy it was i was 
was having a blast watching the first quarter, to be honest. I think most neutral observers, I think you're included, were Browns fans last night just because of how tortured that franchise has been. The Steelers have bullied them for decades and there's they needed something to get over the hump and just turning the game on first play being the snap over big ben's head for a touchdown and then a pick and then another touchdown they were running wild it was just a lot of fun it was a great game and then it ending up 48 to 37 it was kind of fun there was actually a little bit of suspense in the second half for a minute but brown's getting the big w turning this thing around hopefully yeah i loved it especially after all they endured this week with the COVID list, Kevin Stavansky not being able to coach, their Pro Bowl left guard, Joel Batonio being out. Like, it just seemed like the cards were really stacked against them. And the Steelers were shooting shots at them all week. Mm-hmm. Like, just just firing away at them, treating them like the little brother, and they've just been dominating them for decades. So it felt good to see the Browns kind of come out and whoop their ass. Now that you turn 30, I can say that I've been dominating you for three decades. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But yeah, did you see like earlier this season, Eric Ebron had a tweet in response to LeBron, like bragging about the Browns being eight and three, saying like, where are they going with like a bored face emoji, just kind of douching up the Browns. Mm -hmm. And then Juju Smith-Schuster got asked about playing the Browns last week. Like basically, do you feel like they've changed a little bit, built some momentum? Do you think it's a different team than you've seen in the past? He was like, no, just the same old Browns. He called them like a bunch of gray faces that don't mean anything. It's like, dude, what are you doing? I don't, I don't know. He's not doing him any favors entering free agency juju is the master of motivating the other team yeah i don't know what he's doing i i imagine that his teammates are probably pretty pissed at him in the locker room after these things happen like dude just stop yeah like sick tiktoks dude just go play the <laughs> yeah, game for real and it's funny because mike tomlin <laughs> finally got rid of Le'Veon bell and antonio brown so just the obligatory headache in the steelers locker room has emerged yep they can't get rid of it and then ben roethlisberger had maybe the most fun stat line in nfl playoff history 40 seven for 68 for 501 yards four touchdowns and four picks that is bananas <laughs> yeah that's a movie stat line and i think that big ben was leaning towards coming back for one more year but after Please throwing retire. yeah after throwing 68 passes in a game i think he might be done he's gotta i'm go. not sure his arm can handle that he's gotta go okay i want a list of people who could beat him in a 40 yard dash right now kevin malone yes 100 percent. yeah yeah big ben yeah mom mom could smoke big ben right now i mean he looks so slow he can't move his thing used to be like he could hang around in the pocket and even if you hit him a little bit like you couldn't bring him down and i saw the stats last night that like he had the quickest delivery in the league this year like he's not sitting back there and making plays anymore he just wants to get the ball out quick and it's just it's really diminished that offense yeah he's had to change his game he has no mobility he's just yeah it might it might be time I was talking to a Steelers fan friend today and mentioned that they might need to be looking for the next quarterback in the draft. And he, he goes, yeah, I love Big Ben, but I agree. I think it's time. Right. Well, to, to recap the Steelers pre and post game childish antics towards the Browns, Chase Claypool after the game on TikTok said the Browns are going to get clapped next week. So it's all good. Oh, OK. <laughs> so good job, Chase. You're doing, <laughs> yeah. You're great, man. Yeah. Good you stuff. Can, yeah. All right, moving on to the divisional round now. Let's do it. So next week on Saturday, the first game is going to be Packers and Rams. I love this matchup. I feel like the Packers offense versus the Rams number one ranked defense is an amazing matchup. Devontae Adams versus lockdown corner Jalen Ramsey is just going to be awesome. What are you looking forward to in this one? Doesn't it all come down to Jared Goff's health? Right. Like if I don't if Jared Goff is anything less than like 90 percent, I think the game's over before it starts. The Packers are already the best team in the NFC. And if he's not up to standards, then then they're in big trouble. But what if homeboy Wolford plays? I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if he's healthy. Homeboy Wolford 
is barely alive. I thought he had <laughs> he had a stinger in his neck, right? I mean, I think he's fine, maybe. I, I think he's out. <laughs> okay, so it's going to be golf. Well, I think it's going to be golf. I, I kind of feel like this one's going to be a low-scoring game because coming into the season and even early in the season, the big concern about the Packers' offense is that Devontae was really the only guy they had to throw to. You know, Alan Lazard is pretty solid. Robert Tunyon has just been huge for them this year, especially in the red zone. Marquez Valdez-Scantling's been a good deep ball guy, but other than that, not really anyone who can consistently catch passes for him and be more of a possession receiver. So if Jalen Ramsey can do at least a halfway decent job of limiting Devante, who just had an insane year. I don't know. I just, I think that this could be a low scoring game and come down to the end. It could be because you have a lot of defensive talent out there. We know the Rams defense is really good and the Packers have some great pass rushers. So I agree with you. I think it could be a very low scoring and, and battle to the end. Right. And one thing we have to mention on this game that's going to be a huge factor is Aaron Donald uh, hurt his ribs. I think he had torn rib cartilage or something, which sounds incredibly painful. So if he's limited, that's a big help for the pack. Yeah, I feel like that was kind of one of the themes across the NFL this past weekend that I was reminded of is as good as your team could be like some of this is just luck. It's so hard to get through unscathed with injuries in football. Like, for example, the Browns, who we just talked about, had their all-pro, first-team all-pro right tackle Jack Conklin go down. If he's not back for next week, that's a huge hit. Just a lot of these teams had some injuries. Zach Moss with the Bills. So, yeah, it's going to be a big factor, obviously, whether or not he's healthy. Yeah, and while we're talking about the Packers and injuries, I have to at least mention, I don't even remember his name. David Bakhtiari. uh, Well, David Bakhtiari got hurt. He was their starting left tackle, Mm -hmm. pro bowler like Aaron Rodgers' best friend. That's a huge loss for them. But they signed the the guy who started at left tackle for the Colts. It was named Jared Valdir or something like that? Something like that. He started for the Colts on Saturday, but since he was on their practice squad earlier in the season or at whatever point, the Packers Packers were able to sign him. So he played a playoff game for the Colts. Colts on Saturday and is going to play for the Packers next Saturday. It's an amazing story. I hope this guy ends up getting a Super Bowl ring. That's amazing. I had no idea that was possible. No. That's, I had that's never a, heard of such a thing. Never a even crazy considered loophole. it. Yes. For the NFL to not let Kevin Stefanski coach his own team just from a press box alone, but to let a player play in two consecutive playoff games two weeks in a row for different teams is nuts. Yeah, that is a huge flaw in the system. That is completely crazy. That makes no sense. I agree with you. I don't like that rule. I wonder if that'll be like the first rule change they make once the season's over. Yeah. It should be. Like, can Mike Tomlin coach the Bills next week? (laughs) Exactly. It's just insane. That makes no sense. Okay, well, let's move on to the Saturday night game. My favorite game of the week, Lamar Jackson versus Josh Allen. Neither one of these guys had a playoff win last week. Now, one of them is guaranteed to get their second. Huge for the legacy. Who are you taking in this one? This is going to be an absolute battle. This is definitely my favorite game of the weekend. I'm going to be jacked up for this one. I think I've got to go with the Bills for this one. And you knew I was going to say that. I'm, I'm Bills all the way. I'm rolling with the Bills to the end. But I'm going with the Bills just because I feel like Josh Allen's ability to hurt people through the air is better than Lamar Jackson's. And I feel like you, you need that in playoff football. So Bills it is. Yeah, this game interests me because I feel like both offenses are kind of like semi one-dimensional. Like the Ravens just want to run the ball, pound the rock, whether it's inside with J.K. Dobbins or Lamar taking it outside. And the Bills are the opposite. Like they pretend that they're going to run a little bit just to kind of open up that passing game for Josh Allen. But ultimately, they want to air it out and have Josh Allen run the ball, I don't know, eight to 12 times a game Mm -hmm. and just lean on him. So two very different offenses, two really good teams. I think it's the tightest spread of the weekend. I think I saw that the Bills at home are favored by one and a half points. So I've got one right now. It's pulled up on ESPN says Bills minus three. So it's going to range in there. But yeah, it's, it's the smallest spread of the weekend. 
Okay, yeah, I've got Bills on Sportsbook minus one and a half with the over under of 50. So Vegas projecting this to be the tightest game of the week. I think this is my favorite one. I'm really excited for it. Let's go Bills. Yes, and I can't wait for Bills Mafia to get to see another game. It was really fun to see when the Bills won this past week and how excited the 6,000 fans in that stadium were. Yeah. Bills Mafia is dope. Yeah, those, those fans deserve more. I really wish they could be there. I'm with you. All right, moving on to the Sunday games. Let's go ahead and talk about the first game on Sunday, which is the Cleveland Browns against the Kansas City Chiefs. What you got in this one? Man, it it just feels like the Browns, like that was their kind of one and done of this postseason. Like that's the highlight of the last 20 something years for them and that fan base and that franchise. So it doesn't, you know, feel to me like they have a chance in this game, especially traveling, traveling to Arrowhead Stadium as a 10 point underdog. But I don't know, like getting Kevin Stefanski back, getting Pro Bowl guard Joel Batonio back and a couple other guys, it's just kind of injects a little bit more life into them. They have some momentum against the Chiefs who might be a little rusty. I don't know. I'm taking the Chiefs in this one, but I think it could be close i'm going the other way i'm going the chase chase claypool direction i think the browns are going to get clapped actually (laughs) it's going to be ugly just by the law of averages right like if you look at that game that they played the other night but against the steelers like everything went right everything went perfectly in their direction you got balls going over the head you got passes tipped up in the air to get picked off and i just feel like that evens out in the long run if not every break goes their way and they're a clearly inferior team to the kansas city chiefs I say they lose by 24. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, that's that'd be tough to see, but I could definitely see it happening. I think it's going to be a little bit closer than that. I think the Browns are going to try to get back to that run game, play the the ball control, keep the way, keep the ball away from Pat Mahomes and that high-powered offense game. The Chiefs secondary was pretty incredible all season, so I don't know. I think that Kevin Stefanski and that Browns offense with Baker Mayfield, they're going to try to pound the rock to Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, get those guys, you know, 15, 20 carries each and see if they can make it a shorter game. Bring it home. All right. And then the last game of the weekend is the division rivalry, the Tampa Bay Bucks against the New Orleans Saints. I am super excited about this one as well. This is going to be the first playoff matchup in NFL history between two quarterbacks in their 40s. We got Tom Brady's 43 and Drew Brees turns 42 this week. What do you think about round three of this one this year? It's pretty nuts for a couple of reasons. One is that Tom Brady's what you said 43 mm-hmm. and he's already said he's coming back next year mm-hmm. and, and he looks good he does look pretty good yeah like he there were points during the regular season where he looked old but now he's looking on fire because it's the playoffs and he's Tom Brady yep. and then on the other hand Drew Brees like everyone is speculating that this is his last year like he's going to be in the broadcast booth next year so it's just like is this Drew Brees' last game of his career or can they finally you know exercise these demons of these horrible playoff losses the past few years and get back to the Super Bowl so what do you think? What's your prediction? I'm going with the Bucks, okay. which is funny because I just picked them to lose against the Washington football <laughs> team. But I don't know. I just they've got this momentum and I'm still not sold on the Saints being completely healthy. Okay. Like if they had beaten someone other than the Bears, I would feel a lot better about it. But I don't know. I just I feel like the Bucks, even going on the road to the super to the Superdome, have a little bit more momentum here. I think it's 27-24 going with the Bucks. All right. I'm actually going the other way. I'm going with the Saints. I think even though they they might not be fully healthy, they're still the, the healthiest they've been all year. They've got Kamara back from the COVID list, like you said. Michael Thomas is back out there. They had a little scare with Taysom Hill this week, but he seems to be okay. Your boy. <laughs> Certified bum, Taysom Hill. <laughs> Get out of here. I just think that they're overall a more complete team than the Bucks, and they're at home. I think it's going to be by a very narrow margin, but I'm going with the Saints. Yeah, and it's interesting because 
this has been a bad matchup for the Bucks this year. I mean, they've gotten crushed both times at home and on the road against the Saints this year, and it just kind of comes down to that whole thing about, like, can the Saints beat them three times? And I know at this point, those first two games don't matter, but it's just like, are they really going to take down the GOAT, Tom Brady, three times? I don't think so. I'm going Bucks. All right. I get it. And I've been riding the Bucks all year. I think the Bucks are a really good team. I would not be surprised for a second if they won, but I'm just going to pick the Saints. All right. Fair enough. Yeah, that, that's going to be a really incredible game. Sunday night. Looking forward to that one. Well, that about does it for the NFL. You want to talk about the Natty? Yeah, we don't have much to talk about. I don't, I don't want to like, you know, go into a lot of detail as far as analysis is concerned, because by the time people listen to this, it already be over. So what are your just general thoughts and feelings about the game tonight? Well, I was going to say, I kind of like the fact that people will be listening to this once the game's already over, because we'll be embarrassed by our score predictions. You, you are desiring that? Yeah. Oh, okay. seems fun. All right. Yeah. yeah. We'll I'm, go for I'm, it. So I'm going with Ohio State, uh, 41 to 38, as I said on our episode last week after they beat Clemson. But big part of the reason is I know that me, you, and dad had talked about this over the past week that Nick Saban has just been so incredible, like the best ever at dealing with coaching churn and distractions and all that. But at some point, it's got to catch up with them. Like, I feel like there have been a couple games where you get to the end of the season and it starts to, I don't know, get in your head a little bit. So losing his two-year offensive coordinator, Steve Sarkeesian, taking the Texas job, not only that, but he's taken a couple staffers with him. Like, is that not a huge distraction leading up to the national championship game? It probably is, but this also isn't his first time dealing with that. I know, but he's lost Natties before. He, he lost to Clemson when that was going on in the past. And I don't know. I just, I feel like he, he had a quote last year. Um, I, I don't know if it was in reference to Mike Loxley leaving or who exactly it was, but he was like, why am I going to keep helping these guys, you know, accomplish their dream and get head coaching jobs if they're just going to turn around and take my staff from me? Like, it, it is yeah. kind of like a, kind of a bad look, right? Yeah. So I don't know. I just I think that there's a little bit of distractions going on there. Sarkeesian taking the offensive line coach with him. And I don't know. I just I've got a weird feeling about this Ohio State team. Great offense with Justin Fields, with Trey Sermon emerging now too as the running back. He could get twenty five carries tonight. I don't know. I, I just I like Ohio State. All right, let me ask you this. Who do you want to win? Bama. Do you? Yeah. So I have found that as a Georgia fan, we're both Georgia fans and many of our friends are, I've found that I am in the minority as a person who is cheering for Ohio State tonight, and I'm trying to figure out why. So I want I want to hear your reasoning why you're going for Bama. I think we talked about it last week. I think it's just I, I don't I want to, to hear the end of the Justin Fields thing. It's like, not going to end. Yeah, it is. Okay, so like right now, do you or do you not believe that we could have won a national championship had we kept Justin Fields? No. You don't think so? No. Why? Because I just think Ohio State's offensive system in general is way better than ours and that Justin Fields wouldn't be nearly as good in our system as he is there. But I still think, in hindsight, that was the wrong decision on Fields Fromm. If you take that team that we had around Jake Fromm and you take him out of there and you put Justin Fields in there, I feel like we're a national championship team. I already think that. And so why would I root against Ohio State even if they lose tonight, I'm still going to be like, yeah, well, we would have won a national championship with Justin Fields. So it doesn't change anything. So I'm going to root against the devil, Alabama, because I hate them. <laughs> Fair, but I, I just think it ends. If if Fields loses tonight, goes to the draft, it's over for me. I, I, I just won't care anymore. But okay. if Fields sits on the bench while we lose to Bama and the Natty and then transfers and then beats Alabama and the Natty elsewhere, that hurts bad. 
It already, but it already hurts. I just don't think anything changes. If they, if he wins tonight, I don't think anything changes. I think we we made the mistake. We already know we we made the mistake. So why does it make any difference? I'm just rooting against Bama because they're the worst. Agree to disagree. All right. I, I'm just I'm, nu- I'm numb to Bama. Deal. But I want to hit you with a couple props from this game for Mac Jones. All right. His over under on passing yards. What would you think it would be? Well, I know the over-under for the game is last I saw was like 76. It's really high. So I would guess it's going to be pretty absurd, like 350? 368 and a half. And yeah, over-under three and a half touchdowns. That is high. That's a lot, especially because Najee Harris scores a lot too. He yeah. does. I think Najee Harris's over-under was like 120 yards. That is, so they're basically saying 500 total yards for Bama. Right. And it, yeah. Wow. That's a Just lot. Just those two guys. I mean, that doesn't count other running backs. It yeah. doesn't count flea flickers, reverses, <laughs> double reverses, does it not statues count, of liberty. How does it not count flea flickers? Oh, you know what I mean? The, the, a flea flicker to yeah. a backup quarterback. And, you know what I mean? Yeah, annexation of Puerto Rico. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it doesn't account for any of that. But okay. I mean, I know when you're projecting the over-under for a game at 75, 76 points that like, of course, you have to be implying these huge offensive numbers, but it just feels crazy to see 368 and a half. It it's is insane. That is bananas. That's That's high. All right, so I've got Ohio State, 41-38. What's your score prediction? So I'm kind of bummed, actually, because I didn't know you were going with that. Did you really say that last week? I did. I'm, I'm upset. You know, I'm overreaction guy. Once they beat Clemson the way they did, I that was my pick. I thought I was going to be cool and contrarian and everything and go Ohio State. I'm actually, I was going to pick Ohio State 38-35, which is really close to what you said. So now I feel like an idiot. Wow, okay. So you're going with a pretty low-scoring game. <laughs> I'm going with the under barely. You know, it's I'm 2021, going, man. Football's changed. It has changed. It changed I'm 30. I'm going with under on the 75 or 76, whatever it is, but close. And I'm going Ohio State in a close game, but also at the same time, would not be surprised if Bama won by like several touchdowns, right? Yeah, like it could definitely see that. Yeah, who knows? So either way, looking forward to a really fun, exciting game. Think it's going to be a complete shootout, and uh, there's going to be a lot of talent on the field that I'm looking forward to watching. Yeah, so now we can officially both be embarrassed predicting Ohio State three-point wins. We wake up in the morning, everyone's listening to this, and they got beat by like 25. Yeah, we didn't really cover the bases there. Had one of us predicted one way and the other predicted the other way, we could have at least had one of us be right. We might now both look like idiots. Yeah, well, we kind of are. Okay, fair enough. All right, <laughs> we're all in. That'll do it for Natty Talk. Let's talk a little NBA. All right, so the number one, my favorite story from NBA this past week was Kyrie Irving. Do you see him? No, I... I try not to pay attention to Kyrie Irving. Okay, so the other night, it was probably like four or five nights ago now, Kyrie Irving, kind of last minute, it was the day of the game, decided he was going to be out of the game for personal reasons. Did see this. Yes, and when asked why he was out of the game, he said, because I didn't want to play. (laughs) No way. Yeah. (laughs) There there was nothing further? That was the explanation, because I didn't want to play. That was it. That's amazing. Yeah. Did How ridiculous this, is that? And he's, he missed the second game too. He's missed. Sorry, when was this? Does this have anything to do with like the capital? It, it and could the have. Riot? He could okay. have, but he has not connected those two things. So he's now missed the last two games because of personal reasons, aka not wanting to play basketball. Despite I love the fact that, that so he has much. signed a contract to play basketball, they have the to. They have to trade for James Harden. I need it so bad. <laughs> <laughs> that is just a complete circus. It's kind of crazy. They're now five and six. They're one game under 500, despite the fact that they've looked healthy. They've been healthy. And Kevin Durant has played really, really well. And they're still 
a game under 500. Doesn't help that Spencer Dinwiddie went down for the year with an ACL injury, but not a great start for this new era of the Brooklyn Nets. Not at all. We talked about how Kyrie Irving just undermined new head coach Steve Nash before the season saying, we don't really need a coach right after they hired him. So now just <laughs> sitting out a game because he didn't feel like playing is just so on brand for him. Oh. I hate that guy. They're, they're currently the 10 seed in the East. If they somehow missed the playoffs, that would just make my life. That's so bad. But a couple of guys that have played really, really well that we have not yet mentioned on this podcast and I feel like deserve a little, little pod time are one Julius Randle for the New York Knicks has played really, really well so far. He's averaging something like 23, 12, and 7 on over 50% shooting. I think he's shooting like around 37% from three. He's a He was a high draft pick and a really just highly sought after guy when he first came into the league. He might finally be coming around. He's not that old yet. So any thoughts on Julius Randle? Yeah, I think that the Knicks kind of off-season free agent strategy of signing like mid-tier free agents so that they're not good enough to make the playoffs and not bad enough to get a top draft pick is working out perfectly. I think that they actually finally nailed it. It really is. Speaking of which, they're currently playing the the Charlotte Hornets, which what a battle that is. Just like two very, very mid-level teams who are in the Our exact houses. same position, right? They're, yeah. They're, like the, the Hornets signed Gordon Hayward and they've got Terry Rozier pay, getting paid a ton of money. And so they're both just like stuck right in the middle where they can't contend and they're not going to get better. Yeah. It's I mean, great. Your, your boy, Julius Randle, you said 23, 12, and 7. Yeah. I mean, that, that's just good enough to take them from like a top five lock pick into purgatory. Yes. Let's but, go Knicks. But that's nasty. It's pretty sick for him. Yeah. Like legit, legitimately, like that's really, really good. Yeah, that's legit. I'm happy for him. And then the other one I wanted to mention whose team is playing well, the Pacers are six and three right now, and they're like, I think second or third in the East right now, is DeMontis Sabonis, who this is not completely out of nowhere because he was an all-star last year. But he's taken a step forward, and he's averaging pretty close to Julius Randle numbers, like 22, 13, and 6 or something like that. Like, all around really good player. He's actually shooting a couple threes again. I don't have much to say as far as follow-up for him, but just a guy to keep an eye on who's been really, really good and taking a step forward into, like, stardom in the NBA. Yeah, well, another guy who's been on a tear, and this is nothing new, but Steph Curry. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's been rejuvenated a little bit for the Golden State Warriors, had a 60-point game last week. But I wanted to talk about his teammate, who is not on a tear. I got a text this week about a stat that I needed to talk about on the podcast. Ooh. So basically our new you know, shoot-your-shot sports stats and info department. Um, the Warriors rank 19th in the NBA in three-point percentage. If Kelly Oubre had attempted zero threes this season, they would rank fourth. He has single-handedly <laughs> took terrible. them from fourth to 19th. He's attempting 5.1 threes per game and shooting 13.7% on them. But, Yikes. But to quote NBA legend and future first ballot Hall of Famer Dion Waiters, I'd rather go 0 for 30 than 0 for 9 because that means you stop shooting. <laughs> That is just philosophical genius right there. Yeah. How do you, how do you follow that? Ball hard D waiters. Oh, I love that. Okay. I want you, a little trivia question. This is just a guess. Not really a trivia question. Just throw something out there. So the Warriors are playing decent basketball right now, especially since they got Draymond Green back. Do you know what Draymond Green is averaging this year? Got to give me a points, rebounds, and assists. Points, rebounds, assists. So... My biggest hint here is I know how much you despise Draymond, and you I, would not ask me this unless it was horrible. I hate Draymond. <laughs> I'm going to go four, three, and four. Okay, that's pretty good. He's averaging exactly, and these are all exact, 4.0 points, 
5.0 rebounds, 6.0 assists. So four, five, and six. Four, five, six. Wow. And his PER is 8.88. So lots of like kind of cool numbers, but yeah, he's a yeah. <laughs> averaging what Charles Barkley calls. Charles Barkley actually said this in relation to Draymond when he was making fun of him, averaging the triple single. Yeah, the triple single. That's that's pretty good. Oh, I love Chuck. He's hilarious. But yeah, I remember a few years ago getting into a debate about who was the more valuable member of the Warriors between Draymond and Clay. That was a debate at one time. That's absurd. I mean, it really was though. Like, yeah. it, it wasn't a crazy point with all of them in their primes. They just kind of said Draymond, you know, being able to play both ways, being able to defend center was more valuable. But um, I was going to say now it's not even close. But I guess Clay like might never play again. So. Man, what a what a great situation slash career for Draymond. Talk about a guy who's like thought of as significantly better than he ever was purely because of the team he was on. He just there's never been a player that has fit more perfectly role wise into a team maybe ever that I can think of than Draymond as the third wheel and then the fourth wheel with those Warriors teams. Like it just made him look so good. But when he's relied upon to create anything on his own, he's not. Yeah, he's not that good at all, and it's worth mentioning that he was like a huge driving force behind the reason that Kevin Durant left. Mm-hmm. It's like, <laughs> yeah, not kinda, great. You know, it is if he's the third or fourth best player in a you know bona fide dynasty, he's going to be a Hall of Famer, but kind of the LVP of that dynasty in that way. If he ran Kevin Durant off, yeah, he's getting paid twenty five mil to average four, five, and six. That'll work. Wow, bum. He is a bummer. I think that's going to be it for the NBA. We got one more little piece of news in Major League Baseball, and that is a blockbuster trade that happened this past week with the New York Mets acquiring Francisco Lindor from the Cleveland baseball team. Yes, the team formerly known as the Cleveland Indians. Yes. Are they, what do you think they're going to go by? Baseball team? They they might, but I don't know. I don't think there's been any indication as far as their new mascot, but we'll see. Hopefully something fun. I heard Rockers because I think that's Cleveland's the home to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yeah. Be kind of sick. That'd be kind of cool. I like that. Anyway, a guitar logo. Yeah, that's hype. Let me chill. Deal. What do you think about this trade? Huge trade for the Mets. We talked about earlier in the offseason that new owner Steve Cohen, super billionaire, said that he wants to win a World Series in his first three years. He's he's serious, and I hate it. Yes, he's yes. (laughs) As a Braves fan, I hate it a lot. They traded for Lindor and Carrasco to really shore up that rotation, and they're kind of rumored to be in the mix for George Springer and some other free agents. I'm not liking it. Yeah, that that squad is going to be pretty sick. Like their lineup now with Lindor in there is going to be nasty. When you got Jacob DeGrom at the top of the rotation, that's always dangerous because you just kind of, in a playoff series, you just expect to go down 1-0 because you're not going to score on, on Jacob DeGrom. Their bullpen is kind of a struggle, but that's the easiest place that you can shore up your team sometime during the season on the trade market or whatever. This NL East this year is going to be nasty with the Mets upgrading. The Nats are good. The Phillies are good. The Braves are the division champions the last few years. And the Marlins made the playoffs last year. Like that is a sick division. Yeah. Division super deep and really good. Kind of sad about it. But at this point, I'm just kind of hoping that the Mets will trade for Bryce Harper so that they'll miss the playoffs. <laughs> it is going to be fun though. Just playing these teams all the time as a Braves fan, we're going to get to watch these really good teams like every night. Like it's not great as far as being a Braves fan because of the competition level, but it's going to be fun to see them go against the best all the time. Yeah, I'm with you on that. So keep an eye on the NL East this season. It's going to be a lot of fun. All right, it's 7.35 and the Natty starts in a few minutes. We need to wrap this up. We got anything else? Let's do it. That's all I got. All right, well, thank you all for listening once again. Don't forget to subscribe and follow us on Apple and Spotify. Leave us some ratings and reviews. Thank you for tuning in once again. Have a good day. Oh.